him feel your spirit move as only you can. We ask it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank Bless you, Rod. You. It's so good to be back with you. Um, can I just give a brief uh, testimony before I start to speak or to teach? Uh, two years ago, that was just about the beginning of the time that the bottom seemed to fall out of the world. And we were here visiting with Doug and Nancy. And uh, Nancy had a prophetic word for us. And let me, just, uh, let me just say to you that if you receive a prophetic word, uh, what you should look for, first of all, isn't the content of the word, it's the person who's giving it. Because if the person who's giving it is someone who is trustworthy, who is godly, and who has a track record in being accurate, then no matter what they say, even if it sounds weird, uh, it's probably right. And so, Nancy gave us a weird word. Even she admits it. I can see her nodding her head. And uh, she saw a web. Like a, she described it like a spider's web, but she saw it as being like a flight path. You know, if you go on airplanes, you see the, their map of all the destinations. And she drew out of it, well, you're just going to be going all over the world. And we kind of raised ourselves. And in my own mind, I'm thinking, well, I don't know. You know, we're doing about as much as we can, and I just can't see it. But uh, I didn't admit that. But uh, because it was Nancy, I thought, we thought, okay, we'll see what God does. And so our world was turned upside down. We went home and uh, everything shut down and the travel plans we had, I don't know how many trips were canceled. Um, but at the same time, uh, two uh, young men that I've known actually since they were kids uh, started an online teaching platform called Theos University. And they called me uh, in... March or April of 2020 to say our, the thing that we've created is just exploding and do you have any free time? Well, I had all the free time in the world. I <laughs> couldn't go anywhere do anything. Hardly go to the bathroom without the government's permission. And, uh, and so uh, I said, well, as a matter of fact, I do have an hour or two free. So, well, can you teach and film uh, everything you possibly can? So. Uh, I began to do that, and it was really hard on Elaine because both of us had been working together, and all of a sudden, you know, I was doing all of this, and, and she wasn't, so that was, that was tough, and we had some other family issues that Elaine was more than fully focused on, um, but what I want to bring out of it is that at some point, we looked at each other, oh, and the important thing is that as this teaching began to go online, I started getting calls from all over, everywhere, Zoom calls from young pastors in their 20s and 30s. Can you help me with this? Can you teach me on that? As a, as a matter of fact, this, this morning, there's a message being preached in a megachurch that I've vetted for accuracy of doctrine yesterday. And, uh, and so um, we looked at each other, and we said, this is it. This is, this is the vision. This is what Nancy saw. It, it's the web. <laughs> it's the web, you know. We just caught the wrong web. And she saw us traveling all over the world, and we were. And I can't tell you 
the number of places, but stretches all the way from here to Sydney, Australia. And uh, we're in the lives of all these people. Some of them were, then began to say, can you come, can you come? And we started to go, and we've got more places to go. Uh, we won't get to every place physically, but we don't have to because we're impacting and depositing the Word of God in the lives of young leaders. And, and, but what I want to say also uh, is, and this is really uh, important to me, is that wherever we go, whether it's virtually or in person, we represent this church. Because this church, as much as anywhere in the world, is family to us. It's home to us. And that may sound a strange thing to say when we haven't even been here physically for two years. But this church is family. And if you're new here, or relatively new, this is a great place to be connected. Whether it's in a small group, as Brian said, or Sunday morning or whatever, because you're welcome here. This isn't just a place where people come and you sit on a seat and nobody ever talks to you and your life doesn't get either encouraged or threatened or challenged. This is a place of family. And we represent the values of this family wherever we go. We were in Belfast, Northern Ireland at a big church there, which was a direct result of this. I blame Nancy for all of it. It's a direct result of Nancy. And um, so if anything goes wrong, you know, who's to blame? Okay, that's it. And so uh, we start talking about the worship and the ministry that goes on here. And the worship leaders said, we want that. And they started to implement it the next week. They're still implementing it. And so your influence is going out through us all over the world, whether you even knew it or not. And so we thank you during this time uh, that you have been standing with us faithfully and, and uh, in, in so many different ways, uh, prayer, financially, most important, your friendship. And we thank you for that. And so, let me remind you again, uh, when you receive a prophetic word, put the weight on the person who's giving it to you first, and no matter how bizarre it may be. So, if Nancy has a weird prophecy for you this morning, it's probably God. Nobody's saying amen. Did you notice that, Nancy? <laughs> Now, I noticed in the uh, worship time this morning, what, what struck me was the number of references to the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that uh, the worship team knew that I was going to speak on the Holy Spirit, but I am. And so the Holy Spirit uh, uh, is... The Holy Spirit is what I call the forgotten person of the Trinity. And we don't understand much about him. We underestimate his work. So I want to speak this morning, and God willing, next Sunday morning, uh, on the work of the Holy Spirit from creation to Christ. And so that's a lot of ground to cover. And so you'll have to forgive me if I throw a bunch of stuff out at you. But you didn't come here this morning to be spoon-fed. You came here for the meat of the word. So that's what you're going to get. <laughs> now, <clears throat> to understand the role of the Holy Spirit, we have to start in the Old Testament right back in the first chapter of the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, what we see 
is the Holy Spirit hovering over the face of the waters as God begins to create the world. The Holy Spirit is there hovering over the face of the waters. What that tells us is the Holy Spirit is the agent by which the original creation was shaped and formed. That's amazing, isn't it? The Holy Spirit was there. He didn't just show up at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was there before the dawn of human history at the beginning of the creation of the cosmos, hovering over the face of the waters, and by His Spirit, God shaped and created that world into what it is today. Now, the creation was ruined through our rebellion, as the book of Genesis relates. But God's intention is always to restore what was lost. God will not be frustrated. I always have that line that Elaine groans at. Well, it's one of many she groans at. But God has a problem. He thinks he's God. (laughs) God will not be frustrated in his purposes. And so... God intended by His Spirit to create a perfect world. And even though that world was misshapen and bent out of shape and wrecked by our rebellion, God still has a plan to restore what was lost. And the interesting thing is that the Holy Spirit has just as important part in the work of restoration as He did in the original creation. And so there's a new creation coming. And the Old Testament, actually, if you look close enough, is full of this idea of the new creation that's coming, is prophesied. Um, Ezekiel says, uh, chapter 36, he says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries, and I will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from your uncleanness, and I will cleanse you from your idols, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. He's speaking of the coming of Christ. But in the coming of Christ, he's not actually speaking of Christ, he's speaking of the coming of the Holy Spirit. So there are prophetic scriptures in the Old Testament which speak of the coming of Christ, but there are also prophetic scriptures which speak of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so the reason being that the original work of creation, which is the was the job of the Holy Spirit to do, which was ruined, God is going to restore by the work of the same Holy Spirit. And so when we go, that scripture I just read you in Ezekiel 36, when you go into the next uh, passage in the book of Ezekiel, you have that incredible vision of the dry bones sitting in the valley. And what happens is that in Ezekiel's vision, he had even more weird visions than Nancy Schwartz did, that in Ezekiel's vision, God breathes by His Spirit into these dry bones, and they come to life. And so it's a prophetic picture of the covenant people of God who are dead. They, they, the Spirit has left um, 
They're, they're just like a bunch of dry bones. But God comes by his prophet and says, a day is coming when I will restore my spirit to my people and bring them back to me. It's a new creation. But the new creation is a restoration of the original creation when the spirit hovered over the face of the waters and created a perfect world. And so Ezekiel's prophecy is actually an incredible parallel to the original creation account. Because if you look at Genesis chapter 2, it says that God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. In Ezekiel 37, God takes lifeless bones, breathes breath into them, they come to life, and the dead live. So it's exactly the same as in the creation story in Genesis. It's a recreation. But the reason a recreation is needed is because we wrecked the original one. So the prophesied latter days coming to life of the people of God in Jesus Christ, it re recapitulates, to use a big word, which means it repeats the original creation account. Both the creation and the recreation have a two-stage process. Number one, the forming of the man from the dust, and number two, the breathing into him to bring him life. So Ezekiel is telling us that a spiritual resurrection is coming. The first creation brought humanity into existence, then we fell. The creation of humanity, that story came to a sad end through the entrance of sin as Adam failed in his commission, which was to be fruitful and multiply and extend the Garden of Eden to the very ends of the earth. And God gave his people Israel a similar commission, be a light to the nations. But Israel failed just like Adam failed. But God's purpose will not be frustrated. He is going to initiate an act of new creation to fulfill his original purposes. And it's interesting that Ezekiel right there in that same passage speaks about the recreation of the Garden of Eden. The church is the first step in the recreation of the Garden of Eden. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, the garden was never got lost. Well, you're ever occur, did it ever occur to you as you read your Bible, why were there, were there lampstands and why were there pomegranates and gourds and cherubim and all that in the tabernacle? It's because they're all borrowed. The lampstand is the tree of life. The cherubim are the cherubim that were guarding the gate to the garden. The pomegranates and the gourds reflect the nature of the garden. The tabernacle was a miniature garden of Eden. And in it was the presence of who? The Holy Spirit. Because God had a plan of restoration. He was going to recreate that garden. And he started in this miniature format. Only one man once a year could enter this recreated garden where the presence of God was. But God has a plan. And as he sends his spirit into all of his people, the church becomes a garden that is commissioned to spread throughout the whole world and take the gospel of the kingdom to every nation before the Lord returns. Just like Adam was commissioned to be fruitful and multiply, 
We, are, we have received the Great Commission. So a resurrection is on the way. God's people were dead, but he's going to bring them to life. That's what Ezekiel is teaching. Now, Jesus was referring to this passage when he scolded the great Jewish teacher Nicodemus. Remember in John chapter 3, Nicodemus, Jesus talks about, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, for all of his learning, he can't get it. He said, well, how can you be born again? He's immediately thinking of entering into his mother's womb and be born again. That's ridiculous. And so Jesus said, uh, you're a teacher of Israel, and how is it that you don't understand this? What was going on? Well, Jesus was referring to Ezekiel 36 and 37. Humanity is dead and is going to be born again as God breathes his life into those dry bones. Nicodemus, what is there about Ezekiel 36 and 37 that you don't understand? See, he couldn't see it. Isaiah speaks about the same thing. Isaiah says, Israel will remain desolate until the Spirit is poured out from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field. There's the Garden of Eden again. The Spirit, Isaiah says, will create a new Garden of Eden. Isaiah 44, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams in the dry ground. I will pour my Spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. There's the Holy Spirit again. And, of course, the complete fulfillment of the garden is found in the New Jerusalem. That's where the river of life that was in Genesis reappears. Ezekiel saw that, too, in chapter 47. He had the vision of the river of life flowing out of the temple. And so the last two chapters of the Bible fulfill the first two chapters. They're like bookends. The garden that was lost is completely restored in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. He is the temple. And the, the tree of life is there too in Revelation 21 and 22. And it, its leaves are for the healing of the nations. And the only difference is the serpent is no longer allowed in. <clears throat> and so the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation is a process of creation by the Holy Spirit, us wrecking the creation and God sending his spirit to restore it. <clears throat> Joel says, and it shall come to pass afterward, Joel 2, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And the apostle Peter quoted those words on the day of Pentecost and, say, and said, they're fulfilled today. Now, the process of new creation by the Spirit, and I warned you that I'm throwing a bunch of Scripture passages at you, but Isaiah tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes, that something else is going to happen. The Messiah is going to arrive. Isaiah 59, verse 20, a re Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turned from transgression, and as for me, this is my covenant, my spirit is upon you. My words I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or the mouth of your offspring or the mouth of your children's offspring from this time forth and forevermore. So when the Messiah comes, Isaiah tells us, 
the Spirit is going to come as well. As a matter of fact, Isaiah also tells us in chapter 11 that the Spirit will rest upon the Messiah, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit. We understand the prophetic words about the coming of Jesus, but we X out the Holy Spirit. And yet here it is, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of the fear of the Lord will rest upon the Messiah when he comes. Behold my servant, Isaiah 42, my, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will not cry out or lift up his voice. A bruised reed he will not break. He will faithfully bring forth justice. And in the 12th chapter of Matthew, Jesus said, Isaiah was talking about me. And Isaiah paints a picture of the day when the ruined cities will be repaired. The devastations of the land restored. How many know that there's devastations and ruins in our society today? You see, God has a plan of restoration. It starts here in His church. This is a place of restoration. You, you, you're here this morning. You may have come from terribly broken backgrounds and had all sorts of disasters happen to you in life. This is the place where you get restored. That's the good news. This is the place of healing. Why? Why is it the place of healing? One reason, the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit who hovered over the face of the waters is hovering over your life this morning. No matter how hopeless your situation may be, the Holy Spirit is hovering over you to bring healing and wholeness and restoration because that's His job. I love it when Jesus quoted Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. You poor this morning, the Lord has come by His Spirit to bring good news to you. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Are you brokenhearted this morning? The Holy Spirit is here to bind up your broken heart. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Are you in bondage this morning? Do you feel you're not free? The Holy Spirit is here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Do you feel you've been in prison? The Holy Spirit is here to break the doors of your jail open and spring you out. You, you, you may never have considered how the Old Testament so consistently and frequently speaks about the Holy Spirit. Preparing the way for Jesus to come. And to bring restoration. What I find really interesting, and this is something you probably almost guarantee you don't know, is that is what the Jewish theologians, the people like Nicodemus, what they actually believed about the Holy Spirit. Now, what they believed, and we have many of their writings, uh, they had a lot to say about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. They knew their Old Testament. And they understood the Holy Spirit was there. They, they understood and wrote about how the Spirit gave people supernatural knowledge. And the Spirit gave direction through dreams and visions. They understood that. They understood that the Spirit gave supernatural abilities to perform God's given assignments. They understood that the Spirit enabled 
prophetic utterance, they understood that the Spirit empowered the performance of the signs and miracles, and they understood that the Holy Spirit gave the strength by which people were enabled to lead godly lives. But they believed that the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from Israel after the death of the last prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, 400 years before Christ, they believed the Holy Spirit had left the house. Why? Because of sin in the camp, because of sin in God's people. But they also believed that the Messiah would come. And in line with some of the scriptures I've read out this morning, the Jewish rabbis believed that the sign of the coming of the Messiah would be the return of the Holy Spirit to Israel. The Messiah would bring a spiritual renewal of the nation, which would include healing and deliverance from demonic powers. They believed, the Jewish teachers believed, that this is why Jesus got so frustrated with Nicodemus, because he should have known all this. They believed that the spirit of prophecy would be restored. They believed that the Holy Spirit would rest upon the Messiah, that the all the people of God will be filled by the Spirit. They would begin to prophesy, and when the Holy Spirit returned and rested upon the Messiah, there would be a visible manifestation of fire and light. Now, that's why so many were converted on the day of Pentecost, because it was everything they'd been predicting for 400 years had come to pass. The people began to prophesy. There was a visible manifestation of fire and light. At the cross, in spite of all the miracles Jesus had done, he was deserted. But at Pentecost, thousands, thousands came to Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit had come back. He was in the house again. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit is in the house? One of the greatest mistakes that the church in our culture has made, and I differentiate that from uh, many of our brothers and sisters in the third world who have no problem walking with the Holy Spirit, but we are so rationalistic and caught up in our minds that we don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit. He becomes just a piece of, uh, a point of doctrine on a piece of paper. And yet, if you read your Bible, the Holy Spirit is there from creation onwards. Now, think about it. The Son ascended to the right hand of the Father and sits there beside Him. Now, that's what we call anthropomorphic language. It's describing God in human terms because we, we have limited capacity to describe God. It doesn't literally mean that there's two chairs in heaven and the Father is sitting in one and the Son is sitting beside Him. But it does make a point that God the Father and God the Son are reigning over the cosmos, but that they have sent the Holy Spirit into this world. Now, the Holy Spirit is God on earth. And if you marginalize the Holy Spirit, as many churches have done, and all He is is what makes us Trinitarians instead of something else, if that's all that you understand the Holy Spirit to be, you have missed the point. The Holy Spirit is God on earth. If you haven't got the Holy Spirit, you haven't got God on earth. 
We need the Holy Spirit. He is the agent by which the entire creation was fashioned and formed as he hovered over the face of the waters in all of its perfection as God formed the Garden of Eden. That was the Holy Spirit. And even though we wrecked it, God has a plan of restoration. That's the Holy Spirit. The, the temple, the tabernacle, the Holy of Holies, that one little place, miniature Garden of Eden. Now, since Pentecost, we are one woman, one man, mobile, tabernacles of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere we go, we carry the creative presence of God by which Almighty God fashioned the earth in us. That's why we can lay hands on the sick and see them healed because the creative power that fashioned the universe is at work in you and in me. And you don't have to be a great prophetic personality like Nancy Schwartz. Or you don't have to be a great preacher like Don Smith. We've got to say some nice things about Don while he's away, don't we, Lisa? You, you don't have to be all that in a bucket of chicken. God wants to use, as my dear friend Art Good used to say, little old you. Little old you, or little young you. You don't have to have any qualifications other than saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my life. That's all you need. And when you say that, the creative power by which God fashioned the entire universe is at work in you, Donna Munson. That's amazing, isn't it? it it's, well, let me tell you. So many years ago, that probably only Mike and Donna were alive at that time. <laughs> and me. Many years ago, I had a problem with the Holy Spirit. I thought he was that third uh, point of doctrine on a piece of paper. But when the Holy Spirit began to challenge me that he wanted more, that was a hard thing for me because I was all tied up in my mind and I didn't want the more for whatever reason. It's irrelevant now. And God began to deal with me. I got dragged, kicking and screaming against my will uh, into a deeper relationship with the Holy Spirit. And one night a gentleman prayed for me. And my friend was there. And he said, God has met you tonight. And I didn't feel a thing. And I said, why would you say that? He said, because I just touched you. And I thought, I know these charismatic types are weird. <laughs> but that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard until I turned around and I found myself on the floor. And I couldn't get up. No, no one had prayed for me. I mean, I had been prayed for a few minutes before, but no one had done anything else since. It just, the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I didn't know what was happening. And I was on the third or fourth floor of a Bible college, and I crawled down the stairs, and my friend was laughing all the way, never lifted a finger to help me. <laughs> I needed a lot of humbling. I crawled across two big rooms, and he helped me up. I had my coat, because it was wintertime, uh, on a pile of old wooden stacking chairs. He helped me with my coat on, pushed me out the door, and said, call me tomorrow, let me know what God has done. And I walked out that door onto a very cold 
winter's night in downtown Toronto, and I felt like someone had picked me up by the scruff of the neck and was pushing me along the sidewalk. And I came to the curb of the first street, and I thought, I have this terrible problem with speaking in tongues, uh, in that I don't see how I could ever invent it. Uh, and it was just a massive metal block, but I, I thought, I, I've got to do something, because this is do or die. And I opened my mouth, and by the time I got to the other side of the street, I was speaking in a language that I'd never heard. And I was drunk in the spirit until 3 o'clock in the morning. I walked around downtown Toronto. Why well, I was never arrested for drunken disorderly, <laughs> I don't know. And God, I began to hear the voice of God, and God began to tell me things that were going to happen before they happened. And after that happened four times in two weeks, and something very significant happened each time, I knew it was God. It took me a while to get it, but I knew it was God. And I went through a doorway into a different world, and I've never come out. Uh, I'm far from perfect, ask my wife. She'll give you numerous illustrations of that. But this is the amazing thing, that the Holy Spirit can come upon you and fill you and use you even though you're not perfect. Just like God used Nancy to speak so powerfully to Elaine and I. And what an amazing way. has an impact, you know, all over the world. That's just, it's extraordinary. It, there's no limit to what the Holy Spirit can, can do. And don't you believe the lie, it's only some preacher, some special personality. It's you. It's you. It's you. I can't go out and reach the people in your place of work or the school that you're at, the college that you're at, the neighborhood you live in. Neither can Pastor Don. No matter if he worked from one end of the day to the other, which he already does, he couldn't do any more. He couldn't go out and reach. But you can. You are that one person tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. You bring the Garden of Eden into your place of employment, into your college, into your, into your neighborhood, into the friends, into the broken lives that you touch. You bring healing and wholeness because the Spirit of God is moving within you. And so we want to say in our church, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome, Holy Spirit. Please come, Holy Spirit. Please, please come and do everything that you want to do, no matter how short or how long it takes. If the Holy Spirit is moving, I don't want to leave the building. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit is moving, I don't want to leave until He has done everything that He wants to do. Don't you dare leave. Whether it's this meeting this morning, or whether it's your prayer room tomorrow morning, or whether it's an encounter when you're with somebody in a coffee shop talking about the things of God, don't you dare leave until the Holy Spirit has done what He wants to do in you. Don't you ever believe the lie that you're not qualified. Because we believe in this church in something called the grace of God. It takes imperfect people like me and Doug and he makes us people that can change the world. That is an incredible thing. I get up in the morning, I look at the mirror, and I think, dear God Almighty, I need some of that beauty potion that Donna Troyer has given to my wife. <laughs> Don't worry, Doug, I haven't put any on. <laughs> you probably noticed. 
But the Holy Spirit is doing something in me. The Apostle Paul said, we have this transcendent power in clays and jars of clay. So you can be deteriorating on the outside, but on the inside, we can be more full of God's creative power and life-giving energy than ever before. So let's stand together. I don't know how to close this. Maybe we'll have to allow the Holy Spirit to do that. We don't have to create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to move. He's already been moving in many of your hearts as, I, as I've been preaching and prior to that in the worship. Um, but we appreciate the worship team. But the Holy Spirit is here regardless of whether you like a single song they've sung or can relate to it or not. The Holy Spirit is here working in you right now, no matter what your feelings, whether you're up, you're down, you're in, you're out. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And we thank you that you're back. Now, I don't know, Holy Spirit, what you want to do. There's a few hundred people here this morning. I have no idea of all that you want to do in those lives. But I believe you have a purpose and a plan for each and every single one of them, young to old. And we don't want to miss what you're saying to us in this moment. We don't want to miss what you're doing within us in this moment. So I'm going to invite you, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to invite you to to come up to the front. You, you, you don't have to come up to the front. The Holy Spirit can come upon you where you are. But if you want more of the Holy Spirit this morning, just come on up to the front and people will pray for you. But I invite you. I invite you deeper into the life of the Spirit this morning. I thank you, Father, for breaking every lie off that says you're, you're worthless, God will never use you, you've messed up too much, your background is, is, is inadequate, you're not educated, you're, the, you're not this, you're not that. We, we take all those lies and we throw them out this morning and instead we say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Thank you that you've, we, we have several hundred beautiful creations, miniature tabernacles of the Spirit right sitting here moving around this building this morning and right in this auditorium. Holy Spirit, come in the name of Jesus. Move in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you just come now? You're welcome. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. There's nothing more Never come close, no thing can compare. You're our living hope, your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen. Are the sweetest of lives 
when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and Shame is under. 